0: Today on Ag News Daily. I think that because I didn't grow
1: up living on a ranch, it has kind of made me feel like I need to make up for that. And I try really hard to keep myself educated,
0: ask a lot of questions, especially to my husband. Good afternoon, and welcome back to another Wednesday episode of the Ag News Daily podcast. It's Ashton Carr joined by Delaney
2: Howell. Delaney, we missed you on the podcast yesterday. I know. I Honestly, I was so distracted with work. Markets were crazy. We were doing a lot of stuff here, getting ready for today's WASDE report. So I'm super glad that I had you and Dawson to fill in for me yesterday absolutely just gives both of
0: us a little bit more practice so he got (laughs) to be on the episode once again and then I got to read markets but I did it I made him get off of the recording and I didn't by myself because I was like I I don't think that I can embarrass myself in front of you anymore Dawson you're just gonna have to leave and I'll splice this in later and he's like um okay whatever you want to (laughs) do so he's just rolling with the punches
2: yeah he he is he's a good sport I appreciate that but like I said yesterday we were gearing up for the WASI report which came out today at 11 a.m. Central Time. And, Ash and I would like to go ahead and just dive right in here to the WASDE report results, if you don't mind. Let's do it. I haven't gotten a chance to look at anything,
0: so you're going to have to fill me in.
2: Yes. Okay, I will. And I'll fill in our listeners, too, in case folks have not had time to check out the report yet today. I'm sure you probably have if you're on Twitter and whatnot, but... Uh, mostly a bearish report when it came to the corn markets today and soybeans had a bearish report except for bearish report except for one key factor here which actually ended up supporting soybeans today but before the report we saw corn trading slightly lower soybeans however traded pretty much the same all throughout the day they were about 15 cents higher in new crop about 25 to 30 cents higher in old crop and they continued that same pattern throughout the report today but as far as report numbers we saw the corn crop production number was projected at 15 billion bushels up from last year's projection and last month's production on higher area and increased yield we saw beginning stocks for corn down sharply and uh we saw exports down as well. Now here's the kicker on the export side for corn. I was anticipating, or I could have anticipated, I suppose, pre-report that we would have seen exports increase because of the Brazilian Safrina corn crop issues we're continuing to report on. But USDA did acknowledge they think Brazil's crop is going to be lower. However, they countered that by saying later on this year, they think we will see increased exports from Ukraine and Russia, which could push the US to compete on the export marketplace and was why USDA noted that they thought we would have lower exports for this year overall. On the soybean side of things, pretty similar story there other than the bright spot for today's report, which really supported markets and has been supporting the soybean complex as a whole, and that is soybean processing. We saw USDA said that soybean crush is projected 35 million bushels higher to a 2.2 billion bushel number. And that's reflected what we continue to see supporting soybean markets right now, soy complex overall, because we're continuing to see crush margins for soy processors are pretty favorable Uh, They're making money off of that. So they're going to continue to crush soybeans, soybean products, meal and oil. And that seems to be holding soybeans pretty well stable right now. And um, really was what we saw here for today's WISE report. So we'll get to markets here a little bit more in uh, just a few moments. But yeah, overall, that's kind of the breakdown of today's report.
0: Well, Delaney, I'm glad that we had you Readily available to do the breakdown there. Because, like I said, I really hadn't gotten a chance. To be honest, I forgot a little bit about the velocity <laughs> today. So I'm glad that you were there to catch my fall. But I have a little bit of a follow up concerning trade. I talked yesterday about Senator Grassley kind of asking Biden. He didn't straight out ask, I don't think, but just, you know, kind of hinting that Biden needs to be a little bit more clear in, you know, what he wants for trade under his administration. U.S. Trade Representative Tai has told members reportedly of the Senate Finance Committee her office is doing a top-to-bottom review of trade issues with China. In addition to that, um, Senator Grassley asked Ty if she's addressing Mexico's non-tariff barriers and its rejection of imports of glyphosates as well as GMO corn by 2024. And the question, will you raise, the con- raise these concerns at the upcoming USMCA meeting and pursue enforcement action if these issues remain unsolved, was asked, to which Ty said yes to. And she also said that there are key issues related to the UK trade deal that must be resolved and that she is committed to working on new trade deals. She even said that our work is focused on looking at creating and maintaining reliable, transparent, sustainable market access for our agricultural producers. Tai also said that the USTR office is using every tool to make sure existing agreements work and have a positive impact on real people. So although this isn't anything coming from President Biden, which I think a lot of people were kind of looking to when it comes to trade and what expectations and goals he has for for trade over the next four or so years. Um, I think some nice information that we're getting from Trade Representative Ty. I'm kind of excited, I guess, to see where this goes, especially with the upcoming USMCA meeting. I'm excited to see how our relationship with Mexico goes.
2: Absolutely. And I'm glad you're talking about a relationship with Mexico because it sounds like the relationship is still pretty good. We saw U.S. exporters sell 100,000 tons of corn to Mexico. They're continuing to purchase U.S. goods, so that's pretty good, pretty supportive for the markets. And while we're on the topic of exports, we also saw yesterday a pretty large export sale of 680,000 metric tons of new crop corn headed to China. So like I mentioned there in the WASI report, long term, later this year, Ukraine and Russia are anticipated to take up some of that portion of exports. But for now, it appears China is still stepping into the market and continuing to buy Corn and soybeans for now. Well, Delaney, D- Dawson and I yesterday
0: talked about the gas shortage that mm-hmm. we're experiencing right now and in response to the shutdown of the Colonial Pipeline due to that cybersecurity attack that we discussed yesterday yesterday. EPA Administrator Michael Reagan issued two emergency fuel waivers to help alleviate fuel shortages in states whose supply of gas has been impacted by this shutdown. I don't really think we've had too much of anything going on in in Texas, even though that I, I think Dawson said yesterday that that pipeline goes through Texas. I'm not exactly sure. So I could be wrong there. But I mean, we're not seeing anything here. But, you know, that's just speaking for my part of the world. But in addition to those waivers, the American ethanol industry says that it can step in to help with the current fuel shortage. The EPA has waived the federal Reed vapor pressure requirements for fuel sold in reformulated gasoline areas of the District of Columbia, Maryland, Pennsylvania, and Virginia to facilitate the supply of gas. And this waiver is going to continue through May 18th of this year. So honestly, not too long of a waiver. That's just in about a week. And then the second waiver waives the requirements for low volatility conventional gasoline and reformulated gasoline for the district of columbia and areas of maryland pennsylvania and virginia but this waiver also includes alabama delaware georgia specific counties of florida louisiana mississippi north and south carolina as well as tennessee and this waiver is going to end on may 31st of this year so a little bit of a longer one there but as we're heading into the sixth day, I believe now, after this cyber attack, Growth Energy, who we've had on the podcast before, their um, CEO, Emily Score, Growth Energy sent a letter to EPA Administrator Reagan and the U.S. Department of Energy Secretary Granholm pressing for immediately reducing restrictions to higher ethanol blend and fuels as relief for resulting supply disruptions and rising gas prices. And in this note, the CEO, Emily Score said that E15 is now sold at nearly 2,400 locations across the U.S., including several hundred locations throughout the southeast, where the impact of the colonial is most felt. And by immediately removing remaining regulatory hurdles and providing greater access to E15, you can help keep fuel prices in check for American consumers and ease concerns about fuel supply. Now, whether or not we're going to see any kind of waiver for E15 or anything concerning ethanol blends in gas, I'm not sure. I'm, you know, hoping at least, I mean, that's just my opinion. Maybe I should retract that statement. I don't know, but (laughs) I, you know, of course I'm in support of our ethanol producers. So this could be, you know, potentially good for them, potentially good for gas prices and those who are concerned about gas prices. And I talked with Dawson yesterday and we talked about how this could cause a domino effect when it comes to ag transportation and things like that. So, you know, by really tackling this thing head on, I think that there could be, you know, some pretty desirable outcomes.
2: Yeah, I think really the big concern for folks right now is just, especially farmers, you know, they're in the middle of planting, they've got obviously spraying costs this summer and other if they do other things outside of row crops you know hay or anything else they've got some expenses tied up in fuel and especially come harvest i think the concern is just are we going to see any sort of a shortage and if so what's that going to do to fuel prices so it sounds like those concerns are valid but maybe a little early on that front so we'll continue to watch that and see how that story develops
0: Absolutely, Delaney. And, you know, you say, you know, what this will do to gas prices. And I've already exited out of that article there. But I believe it said that we could, you know, see gas prices even go beyond two ninety nine, dollars which is the highest price that we've seen since I think it was November 2014. I know it was 2014. I want to say it was November. But somewhere around there is the last time that we saw gas prices really get that high. I wasn't driving back then. So I can't remember, you know, what really caused that. But I'm really hoping that, You know, I mean, I'm driving now, so I don't want to pay that much for gas. So hopefully we won't, you know, see that problem.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I think that uh, wraps up all of the news I had for today. Ashton, did you have anything else or should we chat markets here quick? No, ma'am. Let's get into the markets. All right. Well, as I mentioned there, we saw grains have a little volatility ahead of the report, but corn finished lower on the day. Soybeans quite a bit higher and Wheat pretty much lower across the board. Starting out here with the July corn contract down seven and a half cents today to close at 714 and three quarters. The D's down 18 and a quarter to close at 593. Soybeans higher today, eh, pretty much all across the board. The July contract up at 27 cents to close at 1642 and a half. The November up 12 and a quarter to close at 1443 and three quarters. And in Chicago, wheat, the July contract down 12 today to close at seven, 29 and three quarters. The D's down 11 and three quarters to close at 7:31 and a quarter. Hopping over to take a look at the livestock markets today, we had a little bit of mixed trade in live cattle, with the June contract down just two pennies to close at 118.60. The August up 27 and a half cents to close at 122.32 and a half. And in feeder cattle, strength today as I think this is the sixth session we've seen cattle close higher with the August contract up a dollar 67 to close at 15052 and a half the September up a dollar 57 to close at 05. lean hogs higher today as well with the June contract up 85 cents to close at 112 02 and a half the July up 50 cents to close at 111, 92 and a half and wrapping things out here with our class 3 dairy milk futures June up 69 cents today to close at 1969 the July up 66 cents to close at 2005 now Ashton I apologize we've had so many great interviews lately i can't remember who are we airing for today today we're airing our interview with megan gates who is a
0: rancher and influencer from oklahoma on today's podcast we have another influencer joining us today megan gates but you might know her as megan lynn gates from instagram Megan is a ranch wife. She's also a ranch mom, I guess you can say as well, and uh, a business owner, advocate for agriculture. She wears a lot of hats, mainly a cowboy hat. (laughs) But Megan, thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, thanks, Ashton. It's great to be here. So Megan, before we get started really talking about what it is that you do, you have a blog, you're, you have quite a lot of followers, 29.2 thousand followers on Instagram. So before we started, you know, kind of talking about, you know, your, your name to fame, why don't we talk just a little bit more about your background? Sure. Um, so I grew up uh, in Castle Rock,
1: Colorado. And I actually grew up in the suburbs. I didn't grow up living on a ranch or anything, Um, but my ranching experience when I was growing up mostly came from my family ranch in Salida, um, and so they had a small beef cattle herd. Uh We would go up there on the weekends, and that's where I got kind of my toes dipped into the water as far as agriculture goes. Um, for my first year of college, I then went to Oklahoma Panhandle State University and that's where I kind of got introduced to agriculture a little bit more. Um, that is definitely beef country out there. And so I got to, um, experience a little bit more as far as the lifestyle and living on, on bigger ranches. Um, and then when I started dating my husband in 2016, uh, he ranches full-time, and so he's the one that has really like plunge, helped me plunge into this lifestyle full-time and live it and breathe it every
0: day. So Megan, what has that kind of learning experience been like? Because I mean, judging from the posts that you make on Instagram and, you know, well, all of your blogs you are pretty you know well knowledgeable when it comes to the world of agriculture you're a great advocate especially for the beef industry so really you know what has that learning experience been like for you i think that because i didn't grow up living
1: on a ranch it has kind of made me feel like I need to make up for that. And I try really hard to keep myself educated, ask a lot of questions, especially to my husband. He has been um, my number one um, teacher by far, Uh, taking me with him when he goes and work, giving me firsthand experience. Uh, You know, since the first day we started dating, he's always been so kind about holding my hand and teaching me and knowing that even now you know five years later there's still so much that i have to learn compared to his lifetime of experience um and so i really try hard to um make sure that people know that just because you don't grow up on a ranch doesn't mean that you can't be successful within kind of any field of agriculture really um you just you just gotta be able to take the advice and take the lessons that other people who are more experienced that are willing to give it to you and just be willing to listen.
0: So Megan, you recently just did a couple of posts about Meyer Hatchery and you kind of went through the process of preparing these meat chickens. So tell us a little bit more about that. I mean, how how was that? What was the kind of feedback that you got? Because I feel like, you know, people who aren't involved in agriculture might not respond to those kinds of posts. Um, You know, like people that are involved in agriculture that do know how, you know, meat processing works would respond.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I have been on the fence for years about sharing more in depth about raising meat chickens. Uh, I personally love to do it. There's a lot of people who don't care for it and that's fine, but I love being able to fill my freezer with fresh farm-raised chicken. Um, I love the process of being able to raise them from chick all the way to full, full, ready to go, ready to serve on your plate. I think it's super satisfying. And I have been hesitant in the past to share more of the details about it because I do know how mean some people can be on the internet. And um, I didn't want to offend anyone. I didn't want anyone who, you know, if they were totally offended by the sight of a slaughtered chicken, I didn't want them to be upset by that. And so um, I've been kind of going back and forth with it for a while. But I've received a huge response of people wanting to raise their own meat chickens who didn't feel confident they could do it themselves or didn't know where to start or didn't understand the processing. And so I decided just to go for it. And I figured the worst that could happen is that my content and my stories would be flagged with a warning um, that says sensitive content. And then you could either choose to click through it or you could choose to watch it. And I did not receive one single negative message or negative content or negative comment from the entire uh, process. And I, I shared like the blood and the guts and the gore and everything. And I, I gave everyone a warning that that was going to happen. And so if someone didn't want to watch it, they could, you know, it wasn't going to pop out at them and surprise them. I gave fair warning multiple times, but people were really interested in it and the co- the community um that I have on my Instagram has just always been so wonderful and they're so receptive to that stuff I I honestly rarely get mean or negative comments to things like that it's wonderful
0: that is certainly wonderful and I'm I'm so glad that you know you didn't have to experience any of that personally I was very interested in it and that's kind of why I asked about it But, you know, when you're raising meat animals out there in really the roughness of the Oklahoma Panhandle, and this year has been a particularly rough one, I would say. I mean, I'm out in West Texas in the Texas Panhandle. We've experienced some rough weather, some kind of harsh times this year. So what has that been like, you know, over there in Oklahoma? You're raising beef, you're raising meat, chickens. I mean, I don't know what else you guys are doing, but how has this year been to you guys? It's It's been all right.
1: Um, it's a little dry right now, and we did have that really, really cold snap a couple of months ago um, that kind of swept across the country, but during that period with all the snowstorms in Texas, we barely missed snow um so we just had it really cold we were prepared we had we hauled cattle off cornstalk fields and we got everything ready it was really cold it was negative temperatures for a few days there but it and we hadn't started calving at that point either a lot of people were calving our calving season hadn't started yet and um, so i think that really saved us as far as the cattle go um, with the spring temperatures fluctuating so much, the chickens kind of had a harder time. Um, meat birds are, and I just learned this, um, meat birds are actually really susceptible to colder temperatures and like big temperature swings. And so a lot of my chickens had, uh, what's called water belly and it's just like, fluid around the heart, between the heart and the stack around the heart, the pericardium. And so they didn't grow as big as they usually do. And um, quite a few of them died from it actually before I was able to process them. But honestly, I should have known better. I should have just had them later in the summer and not worried about the temperatures or anything. So I kind of did that to myself. But you live and you learn and I'll know better next time. But that's probably been as bad as it has been. Uh, right now it's just dry. We're praying for rain and hoping that things get a little more green around here.
0: Well, Megan, apart from you know sharing your life on Instagram and your blog, you're also a business owner. And you guys own Good Handle. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, Good Handle um, was created really because um, Cody, my husband, wanted to create T-shirts that expressed more of like the cowboy way of life and the old-fashioned Western way of life. Um, He wanted to do less like Texas soccer mom type shirts. No offense to anyone who wears Texas soccer mom shirts because I have several myself. Um, but he wanted to create designs that really like reflected this lifestyle that he loves so much. When we started getting into it, um, we started creating more t-shirts that promote the beef industry, um, because I think there's a huge need for education about the beef industry in today's day and age and promotion of the beef industry and cattle and all of that. And so we started making t-shirts more geared towards that. And that's what really kind of took off. And that's been more as we've progressed in the business. It's been really the heart and soul of the business is making sure that we um, are getting awareness out there around cattle and what the realities of the beef industry are actually like, because there's so much misinformation out there. There's so many people fighting against the beef industry. Um, I just don't think there can be enough people really trying to fight for the beef industry.
0: Well, Megan, it has been a joy getting to talk to you and talk a little bit more about your life at Oklahoma Panhandle. But if our listeners want to follow along with you, where can they find you at online? Um,
1: my Instagram personal handle is Megan Lynn Gates. And
0: our business Instagram for good handle is good.handle. Awesome. Well, Megan, once again, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us today. Yeah, thank you Ashton. It was a pleasure. Thanks again there to Megan for coming on and talking to us about good handle and what ranching life is like there in Oklahoma. I'm pretty excited because I think that my merch from good handle comes in either today or tomorrow. So I'm going to have to maybe post a picture on social media onto what that looks like. Ooh, that sounds cool, Ashton. I want to see that. I'm really excited about it because the shirt that I got, it's long, it's titled like long live the American rancher. And it's really cute. And I have been wanting to get it for so long, but they're just so popular. It's been sold out. But I hope that we have some really dedicated listeners, just like good handle has really dedicated customers to buy their merch. And folks, you can catch any of our interviews that we've done with some pretty great people lately on the Ag News Daily website at agnewsdaily.com. And if you want to see a picture of me and my merch, you're going to have to follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ag News Daily. With that, Delaney, should we let the
2: people go? Let's let them go.